0: Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 116. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Jill Simonian is the author of The Fab Moms Guide, How to Get Over the Bump and Bounce Back Fast After Baby. The Fab Moms Guide celebrates motherhood while poignantly and candidly exploring the spectrum of emotions and real life challenges women face from pregnancy through the first year of their baby's life. Beginning with Jill's first unexpected pregnancy within her first year of marriage, just as her career was taking off, which originally involved plenty of tears and swear words. To then giving birth to two daughters in two years, Jill offers easy tools, tricks, and humor that she and other women actually use to help moms successfully bounce back mentally and physically within a matter of months, ultimately finding the right balance between home, career, and family. Jill is also known for her work as a TV host and entertainment journalist turned parenting lifestyle expert and contributor. She is currently on CBS Los Angeles twice a week. She also has worked with The Today Show, HLN, and the Hallmark Channel. Jill is also known for her work as a TV host and entertainment journalist turn parenting lifestyle expert and contributor. She is currently on CBS Los Angeles twice a week, and she has also worked with The Today Show, HLN, and The Hallmark Channel. This show was really fun. I did not know Jill before this interview. We were connected through a mutual friend, it turns out, that we didn't know. This episode was a real treat. I have to say, I did some research on Jill just a few hours before this interview, and I'm glad I waited till just a few hours before the show because I might have been a little starstruck, because she's like all over the media. So when I went to her website and started doing this research, I was like, wow, she gets around. So Jill has been all over the place in terms of being in Hollywood and in the spotlight and different TV shows. And she's just really made a mark for herself professionally. So I'm always excited to have a mom on who I feel like has just had major accomplishments in motherhood. But also, I love a good mom story, and Jill is full of good mom stories, and she's someone who embraced motherhood a lot differently than maybe we are traditionally taught to embrace motherhood, which I can really relate to because I think we all know that I've embraced motherhood a little differently than traditionally taught, meaning that for quite a while I didn't embrace motherhood so much. So Jill and I were able to relate on multiple levels, and this was such a fun interview, and it's just, I have to say, it's so fun to connect with someone new and immediately just be like, oh my gosh, you get it, and I understand you, and I understand like the pain and the panic and the freakouts, like all of it. And I feel like that's just where Jill and I just really hit it off. So this was a fun interview. I think you're going to get some good laughs, and I think you're also going to learn a few things. So let's go ahead and dive in with Jill Simonian. Jill Simonian, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today.
1: I'm so excited. I am shameless and shame free. We're gonna do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, you have so many things going on right now, and. There's so many things I want to talk about, so I'm delighted. Mostly, I want to first just talk about your book. You have a book coming out. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: I do, and I am so excited and thrilled and totally freaked out every time someone says, <laughs> "Oh, I'm reading it," and I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait! wait, wait. You're actually reading it? Like then you get can... It's called "The Fab Mom's Guide: How to Get Over the Bump and Bounce Back Fast After Baby." And despite the title seeming like it's, you know, like this body shape book, it's not a fitness book. It's a motivational guide to build resilience, emotional, like mind and spirit resilience through all the junk that comes flying at you when you're a new mom from the end of pregnancy through the first year. So there's fun stories and offbeat to do's and all sorts of weird (laughs) things that I did to like help me survive and conquer each day and feel confident.
0: Oh, I love that. I and mean, it's funny. So your publicist sent me the information on the book, and I immediately was like, "Oh, it's like a post-baby weight loss book." And then no, she, it's, I knew. And then she sent me the description, and I was like, "No, like this is so much better." And so thank these, you. These are all the things we have to talk about because when she sent me topics covered in the book, I was like, "This is so much better than a weight loss book."
1: So. No, the thing is, and just like a side note, like, don't get me wrong. Like, there's sections of the book that do talk about eating healthy and. Minding your weight gain during pregnancy. I'm not saying diet during pregnancy. Right. I'm saying, you know, just like be conscious and try and stay active and, you know, try sure. and keep your body moving. And then there's things about how I exercised after baby, like doing push ups against my bathroom sink before I showered. But the bounce back concept in my mind is not real bounce back is not about the body. It's about staying focused. And like the whole fab FAB is focused after baby. That's the whole thing.
0: I love that. And I've talked at great length on the podcast about my bounce back, which took the better part of three years. Right. And like motherhood kicked my ass. And it took me a long time to admit that because I'm a perfectionist and I always say like I only like to do things I'm good at. I was like not good at mother. I mean, like I was a good mom, but I was I'm not sure good at motherhood.
1: I am sure you're good. But the thing is, we all have that. You know what I honestly think it is too, a lot of it, and you don't know this until after you get past that new mom phase. But like for me, I look back and I go, Oh, nobody warns you about the lifestyle change and the corner you turn. It's like this sudden identity shift. And then I think that's why a lot of us found ourselves like, Oh my God, like, what is this? Why am I kicked on my ass? Because we are not mentally prepared for the shift that happens. Right.
0: And there's no turning back once it happens, which like no one tells you that. I just kept thinking like, when is my life going back to normal?
1: (laughs) (laughs) After a year, I was
0: like, oh my gosh, like this is normal. It's never going back.
1: Yeah. It's a reinvention. It's like we go through this reinvention of ourselves. You're right.
0: Yeah. So I want to start at the beginning because you have some interesting stories around coming into motherhood and what that looked like for you. So talk to us a little bit about how you entered motherhood.
1: So it happened with a quick bam, boom. And I mean that in every (laughs) sense of the word, I, I was in the book. I talk about how irrationally scared I was when I found out that I was pregnant. And I tell this story about how I dropped this huge F bomb to my husband. Like, it's like the whole thing happened unexpectedly. We were married in August, I was working full time, like 50 hours a week as a television reporter and entertainment news host. And then I hate to say I lost my job, but I'd been working for like four years nonstop. And then my job stopped in December. And in January, I found out, hey, I'm pregnant and my husband and I are newlyweds. And how am I going to get another job in the entertainment news (coughs) world with a pregnant belly? And so I freaked out. I see the plus sign on the pregnancy test in the bathroom. I scream. I don't want to drop the F bomb on your show and really make it tasteless and tacky, but like, you better effing get in here. And my husband's like, what? And I'm crying and I go, I'm pregnant. And he looks at me, he's like, it's going to be fun. I'm like, no, it's not. What are you talking about? And so I was scared because I think back then I really was scared of the lifestyle change. right? And everything that I had ever heard, I was the first of my friends to become pregnant and all this. And I had never held a baby before. And I like, I didn't even babysit when I was a kid because I was like, eh, I'm not really into kids or babies. (laughs) So I got scared. I go, oh gosh, okay. I'm not ready for this lifestyle change. I'm not ready to turn this corner. And that's what made me so nervous about it.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I would imagine we were the last of our friends to get pregnant and it took us quite a while and some, a couple of years of trying. And so when we finally happened for us, I had like totally the response that oh, you had. That's wonderful though. But, that's the way it should but be. But what's funny is I think that. So you would think of that when that happened, that like once I had the baby, I should have been like, Oh, finally my life is complete. And I didn't have that. Like, so I had my like, holy cow, what the heck, you know, all the (laughs) stuff that you had when you found out you were pregnant happened to me after the baby was born. And I was like, (laughs) having seen all my friends do it so gracefully, I was like, I can do this, like, no big deal. The kid naps, I'll work, whatever. And then I was like, the kid doesn't nap and I'm not working. And like (laughs) nobody told me about any of this. I felt betrayed by all my friends, and then most of them had like two and three year olds at the time time. And they were like, don't worry, it gets better. Like that was their response to everything. And I was like, if one more person tells me it gets better, <laughs> it oh my so gosh. Not so, so it can be really traumatic all around.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's different. The thing I think no matter what, I mean, the book is told through my perspective only, but I think no matter what place or perspective you're coming from, I think it's inevitable that you're going to be sideswiped one way or the other. Like, do you know what I mean? Something in the experience, many things are going to sideswipe you. And the whole, I call it like, it's the biggest problem solving challenge that never ends. Honestly, like once you solve one issue, then you have something else to problem solve. And you're always like figuring it out, figuring it out, figuring it out.
0: Right. Oh my gosh, that's so true. And especially that (laughs) first year, it's like the feeding and the sleeping thing evolves. Mm -hmm. I mean, it feels like it evolves very slowly when you're in it, but it's constantly evolving. So you're like, okay, I got it down. And then the next day it's like totally different. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) So I know you did not. Well, tell us about sharing your pregnancy with other people because I'm imagining with this work situation, it was maybe something you wanted to hold close to yourself for a while because you were looking for work and newly terrified, scared,
1: pregnant. Oh yes, so like I said, the, a long time job. My career was like on this upswing, like I had had this long time job, and then I was like hosting another show on Travel Channel and this and that, and then I find out I'm pregnant, and it's like, oh my gosh, no wait, I have to get a job as soon as I can before this belly pops out, because then, even though it is technically illegal to not hire someone because they're pregnant. And like, let's be honest, in news and entertainment, it happens all the time. Like no one hires a pregnant person. Maybe they do now, but in 2010, you keep your mouth shut. (laughs) So I kept my mouth shut. I did not tell anyone. Well, I mean, my family and, you know, obviously family and close friends, But as far as like second and third tier friends and like work associates and anyone that I would ever think to ever work with, I kept it under wraps for a full six months. And like I was lucky because I was really fit before baby. And so I think I was luckily inclined to handle the pregnancy where I continued like moderate exercise. So my legs and my arms pretty much stayed the same. And then with the first pregnancy, the belly doesn't grow as fast as right. it does like the second pregnancy. So like I just started wearing loose things, but the thing that gave it away was like my boobs because <laughs> my boobs would grow. And so I would have this like notion of, oh my God, I'll just wear these like low cut tops because now I have cleavage. <laughs> so, I w- <laughs> so I went and I remember this so clearly, I was doing like a movie critic type of show And I went and they would just shoot me from the waist up. And so I wore this low cut thing with like a loose flowy. So you couldn't tell like there was like a burgeoning bump under there. Mm -hmm. And I had like cleavage. And after we shot the thing, one of the producers emailed me and said, are you pregnant? (gasps) And I was like, oh Oh my my God, how did you know? And he goes, let's just say you looked a little more voluptuous. And I go, oh my (laughs) gosh then it's like the cat was out of the bag. Totally. Oh my gosh. So
0: did you have a job like lined up and no, like that was I secure?
1: No, 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 no. It was all these random offbeat just freelance things, things where like you show up either for free so that your face appears on television and everyone else says, Oh, she's still working. Or <laughs> right. you show up and you get paid like a hundred dollars. And oh like gosh. no, it was all these random like I was just showing up because I was like committed to stay relevant, right. so that they would say, "Oh yeah, we have," you know, well, but I it love- didn't work. I didn't get a job. I didn't get a job before I had my baby, oh, no. so then I was a stay-at-home, which is great. But oh, you know, tell us about that.
0: So, did you get to a certain point where you were just like, "Okay, at this point, I'm just going to plan to like have the baby stay home for a while?"
1: Yes, okay. yes. I tried a last-ditch audition effort in my literally ninth month of pregnancy, oh. with my, oh, my stomach gosh. sticking out to kingdom come. And I went into this audition. And you know what the show was that I auditioned for, actually? I think it's still on. It's a show, Face Off, on Sci-Fi Network, oh. where they do the movie makeup artistry. Okay. And that show hadn't launched yet, and they were looking for a host. And I had this background in entertainment news, so I basically forced my way into the audition, went in and the producer's like, uh, so you're going to have like a baby now. And I go, yeah, I'm doing another week. And he's like, honey, this isn't going to work. And I go, I know, but I just had to come in and like audition. So I didn't get that job, but, like- <laughs> <laughs> but afterwards I thought, okay, I'm going to be stay at home mom. And that's when this whole like mental and emotional bounce back idea happened because I thought, okay, I have been used to working, working, setting goals, problem solving, like doing all this stuff with my career. Now that I'm a stay-at-home mom, this baby is my job. I am going to figure this stuff out. I am going to rise above and thrive and conquer and all that. Like I was so motivated to sort of like figure out the job of being a mom. And I hate to take the, like, the magic out of it like, oh, but that's how I went into the first year of motherhood. I was like, I'm going to figure this out because I am not working and I love to work and this is going to be my thing. Wow. So that's where it came from.
2: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence
0: I can relate to that because I think that people who have worked their whole life and who are very motivated and driven in their work, I can totally understand how you would try to turn like stay at home momhood into yeah. like, this is my thing I'm going to systematize and master, Yes, yes. <laughs> which totally makes sense. But the thing is, which, and we'll probably get right into this because I'm sure this was your experience. Like you can't systematize motherhood. No, nor you can you master can't.
1: it. No, you can't. And that's when I figured out like, You can't systemize it, but there are certain things that I did during the day to at least give me a marker of, oh, I accomplished this today. Like I made it a point to fix my bed. I mean, that is like, you know, like the most baseline, (laughs) like, (laughs) but figuring out, like committing to, I'm going to fix my bed every day, even if the bed fixing didn't happen until 5 p.m. right before my husband came home from work I made it happen because in my mind if I fixed my bed that something big was accomplished that day do you know there's research around there is
0: yes there's research it's like people who make their beds every morning or maybe by 5 p.m. like they're more likely to be successful in all areas of life because it's like a discipline thing and it was yeah we are not bed makers at my house but I I was raised by it was very strict growing up we always had to make our beds
1: Yeah, no, and you're totally right. And I just want to, you know, full disclosure, I have not – well, not personally or unpersonally. There's no one else (laughs) for helping me. I have not had a made bed in my house the past four days, okay? So let me tell you, like, don't get the sense of, oh, she's, like, making her bed (laughs) like a robot every day. No, like, life is life and everything. But as a brand new mom, like being home all day, you know, with one baby who is not mobile, who doesn't go to school, who I don't have to pack a lunch for. That was my thing. I said, yeah. I'm going to make this bed every day. I love it. That's great.
0: <laughs> and well, and I think it's so important that you have a little bit of structure around your day so that it feels somewhat guided.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs>
0: awesome. Talk a little bit about breastfeeding for you. Cause I know that was a huge hurdle for me. And I know for a lot of moms, it can be a big challenge. And I heard that you had your your own story around it.
1: I do have my own story. And I would like to say that it was this big story about how I tried and it didn't work. No, I didn't try at all. I didn't want to. That was why I opted out. I was super scared of becoming a mom. Remember Mm -hmm. I had never even held a baby before ever. That's the truth. Like I have cousins. I had never held a baby before I had my own baby. So I was so scared of the breastfeeding thing because it seemed so odd to me and it's not odd it's natural all of my friends <laughs> breastfeed like but I was so scared of doing it and trying it and so throughout my pregnancy and then when my baby was born I was like you know what everyone always talks about oh make your own choice do your own thing be educated as long as you know doing something that's safe it's okay so I thought you know what this is going to be my choice. So I decided to opt out of breastfeeding and the nurses at the hospital, God bless them. They were like, you know, you really should try. And I go, I know, but it's not going to happen. And I have these like well-intending, educated, knowledgeable, capable nurses looking at me like you dumb new mother, like what are you doing? <laughs> but like the research. And I go, I know. And she goes, well, at least try pumping. And I go, you know what? I can do that. So I pumped for about eight days and I didn't make much milk at oh all gosh. anyways.
0: Hurt. I mean, nursing hurts too. It's it was, all hard. Yeah.
1: But. Yeah. It was weird. I was kind of, well, I'm not going to lie. I was a little fascinated by it. Like, oh my God, the body makes milk. Like, <laughs> ah, this is coming out. Like, it was fascinating. Yeah. But I wasn't digging it and I wasn't making enough milk. So I had to supplement formula anyways. Right. And then after eight days, I was like, you know what? If I'm not going to nurse, let's shut this whole thing down. Yeah. And do the formula. Be happy and content, and not in like mental and physical disarray because it does hurt. So that's the choice I made, and you know I didn't look back, and I'm totally fine with it, and I didn't feel guilty then, and I don't feel guilty. Good,
0: you know, breastfeeding. (laughs) I made it my mission. It was like, became like my goal in life. And I was not, I was a very low producer and it was a constant struggle. And like, I really feel like it ruined my first year of motherhood. I so highly respect someone who's like, (laughs) I'm not doing this. And I don't really care what your reason is. Like, I mean, other people might want to judge the reasoning or whatever. Like if if you're not doing it, that's fine. And if you have a more peaceful, like I missed out on a lot of the magic of motherhood in that first year because I was so obsessed with breastfeeding and I was so sleep deprived because when my baby finally started sleeping, I was still getting up to pump in the middle of the night. Like it really damaged those first few months for me. So I just hugely respect anyone who like puts limits around it. And they're just like, this is what I'm doing for my sanity. And this is the direction we're going. And again, no shame.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no shame. And like the thing is, it's like everyone wants to make the right decision. And luckily, you know, my baby was healthy. You know, it's like you have to and this is what I talk about, like bounce, like the bounce doesn't end, like the bounce back doesn't end every phase, baby, newborn, infant, toddler, kindergarten, like there's all these things that you have to make choices about and not doubt yourself. Because right. the thing that I think pulls a lot of us down are the doubts when we make a choice and they're like, eh, but everybody else is doing this. Screw it. Forget right. it. You got to do what's right for you.
0: Yeah, that's funny. I was actually just thinking that was probably like really amazing practice because it was your first chance to take a stand on something as a mom and mm-hmm. just do it your way and move ahead in spite of people around you, which is something ultimately you have to do a million times as a mom. So you yeah. just started practicing that really early, which probably I ripped
1: the band aid off.
0: <laughs> right, which probably helped you make other decisions around parenting more quickly and more confidently than those of us who, you know, like me being so influenced by all my friends who had gone before me, who I saw what they did. And I was like, well, but they all did this. So I guess I'm going to keep trying, And you know, know. So I think that's fantastic. Thanks. What were some of the biggest challenges of that first year?
1: So for me, the very first year, the challenge was, and admittedly, I think because of the breastfeeding thing, and because I opted to do formula feeding, my life was exponentially easier. I mean, like, everyone's going to, like, hate me and, like, turn this podcast off right now. Please don't (laughs) do that.
4: But I swear, No, no, no. Like, uh,
1: truthfully, the first year of motherhood for me was not that difficult. And I think it was because of the bottle feeding. I took the easy way out. I physically felt good. My body wasn't in physical pain. I wasn't emotionally tormented because of any breastfeeding struggles, nothing. So I totally had a great first year. My baby was a good sleeper. Second baby, totally different story. When the second baby came, I was okay. Like, I did the same thing. I opted out of breastfeeding. I had a year and a half year old, and then I had this newborn. Until the second baby was mobile, I was fine. Mm-hmm. When my little girl became mobile, I say my toughest years of motherhood was when my little one was like a year old until she turned four last year okay. <laughs> so, until today. <laughs> until, I know now she's five. So we're sort of like turn the corner. but the second baby was tough because I was then navigating like the two babies. Right.
0: Right. So and let's talk yeah. about that second baby. Cause also not planned. Correct.
1: Yeah. And I know how sex works. so that's.
5: I I
0: know. I know. I was maybe going to like give you a tutorial.
5: I know. And
1: maybe I just need the tutorial. I mean, my own mother to this day will say, you just better watch that you don't accidentally get pregnant again. And I go, I know. She goes, I don't trust you. She goes, your track record is very, very sketchy. And I go, I know. So tell
0: us about the second pregnancy and like finding out about that and how that compared to the first. And I'm very curious about this.
1: So finding out about the second pregnancy, I did not panic because I had already had my first baby and I thought, okay, I know what's coming. This baby, it's going to be fun. It's a baby. You know, I'd fallen in love with my first baby. So I knew what I was going to get, but I was about eight. No, no, no. Let me think. My first daughter was nine months old and I went to one of my very best friend's baby showers, had a sip of a mimosa and found myself nauseous in the bathroom, (sighs) vomiting. I missed the whole baby shower for my friend because I was like vomiting sick. And my sister busted in the bathroom and goes, you're pregnant, aren't you? And I go, I can't be pregnant. And she goes, oh, no, no, you must be pregnant. Why would you know? So I found out that day and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? And at the same time, I was up for this huge job on CNN. Of course, I know, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I can't tell them I'm pregnant." And it was like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like a rerun. Oh
1: my god, it was a rerun. So then, so anyway, and that's how I found out. But the second time around, I was okay with the pregnancy because I felt like, okay, I know what to do. I right, know you to-
0: had a better sense of what you were getting yeah. into. What's the age spread between the two girls? A year and a half. Okay. Hmm. I could see where that would be a challenge.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, one friend of mine has a baby that's 11 months apart and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how you did that. And she goes, I don't know. I have no idea. But oh. yeah, I know people have twins or, you know, have like babies closer than a year and a half, right. but it's all, I mean, two babies is two babies, <laughs> no right. matter how right. Expensive.
0: I just wanted to pop in for a moment and remind you that I'm currently creating a waitlist for the Shameless Mommy Mastermind. So if you are looking for a place to connect with me, connect with other moms on a personal level via video chatting please do email me at info at I'm putting together a group of women where we can meet on a weekly basis to talk about our goals to talk about accountability to make sure that we're taking steps every week to work toward goals that are really meaningful so this might be related to weight loss it might be related to reading books that improve your life it might be related to finding a new career path it can be anything but if you're looking to have deeper conversations and have someone help you with accountability, I'm your person. I'm kind of the accountability queen. So please do send me an email to info at and just let me know that you're interested in the Shameless Mommy Mastermind and I will send you more information as soon as we release it. I can't wait to connect with you a little bit more closely and intimately and help keep you accountable to your goals so that you can achieve amazing things in the next few months. And now back to our interview. After you had the second, then did you get the, C- the CNN job?
1: No, I didn't get the
0: job. <laughs> oh, no. So w- were you staying home then with both of the girls?
1: Yes. Yeah, so then okay. I was home with both of the girls. I mean, I still had my blog. I had started my blog, okay. thefabmom.com, when my first daughter was born. So I was still blogging and I was still doing all of these little one-offs and television segments about new motherhood. I mean, everything was like a one-off here, one-off okay. there, one I was just trying to sort of... And I loved writing. I wanted to stay creative and have one foot in the workforce, so to speak, because once you disappear, especially in entertainment, you're gone. So yeah, so I just sort of kept a toe in.
0: The pressure to stay relevant, right? Yes,
1: yes. (laughs) And I
0: want to mention, you just mentioned thefabmom.com. We'll make sure we link up to this in the show notes and we'll link to your book in the show notes as well. So everyone can go to shamelessmom.com and then click on episode 116 to get all that information. But thefabmom.com is amazing. Thank you. I've been like scrolling through and like there's so many cool... Articles and different TV segments you've done and just really, really great content for moms Thank and parents. So, you. An amazing resource for moms. So for those of you listening, make sure you go over and check out thefabmom.com when we're done here. Don't go yet. But when you're done no, listening, go, right, go check it out. So did you find out the sex of either of the girls in advance? No,
1: no, no, no. I did not find out if I was having a boy or girl.
0: And why did you, why did you, why did you, why did you decide to wait?
1: Okay. So the first time around, all of my decisions were based on fear. And so I decided that I just wanted to wait it out because finding out the sex of the baby at delivery was going to be the thing to get me through delivery. That's what I decided in my head. I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm so scared. So let's not find out what I'm having that way. I am so much in suspense that I can go ahead and like, you know, get through this. So I didn't find out. And I'm not going to lie. I wanted to have girls so badly.
0: Oh, that's so interesting that you didn't find out and you had a strong preference.
1: Yes. I obviously had boys. Of course, I would have been thrilled. And, you know, I would have said like, oh, I'm so glad I had boys. Whatever you get, you're excited about, I think. But being so scared about the whole thing the first time around... I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to leave this. This is out of my control. This entire thing is out of my control, so let's just leave it that way, and I'm going to roll with the punches. And so then the second time around, I thought, well, I didn't find out what the first one, so in an effort to keep everything the same, let's just not find out again. Oh, funny. (laughs) And everyone thought I was having boys both times.
0: And you ended up with two girls.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: so interesting. Yeah, We didn't find out with my son, but then when we tried to get pregnant a second time, which ended up not being successful and now we're done. But when we tried to get pregnant the second time and we were going through IVF and so I was like, Mm. we're going through a lot here. Like my husband was like, yeah, and then it'll be a surprise and it'll be amazing and blah, blah. And I was like, actually, no, Like, my body's going through a lot of junk and like I get to choose and we're finding sex. (laughs) Cause I felt like I needed to know for that second one. I don't know why. I think I had a lot of fear of, This is Mm -hmm. going to be really hard again, and I'm going back to, like, that time where I felt like I had no control. So, like, if I can just know in advance what to prepare for, that would help me a little bit. Well, yeah.
1: Are you kidding? I totally get that. My sister thought I was bonkers. She's like – I mean, my sister and I are, like, great friends, like, best friends, but She thought I was crazy for not wanting to find out the sex. She thought I was crazy for not nursing. Like, we have a lot of opposite things where she's like, you are crazy. Like, what is wrong with you? And like... (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's so funny but that's great yeah. i love it that like you're doing things the way that makes sense for you and i think that's the most significant thing in motherhood is that you do the things that work for you that work for your family that work for your kids and that might look completely different than the way your neighbor does it or your best friend or your sister or whatever but totally. you have to do those things that work for you and i think that you set that precedence really early on and it's probably allowed you to progress more strongly in some directions because like you've just had strong convictions as you've gone
1: Right. No, that's absolutely true. And another thing that my mom would always tell me, like when I was little, she's like, move fast. You got to move fast and make a decision fast. And that's not to discredit, like, you know, actually thinking and, you know, considering options. And you always want to think through decisions, especially if it's about children or family or your body or health. Or, like, you always want to think through. But after so much thinking, You just have to like make a choice and keep going because otherwise you can get stuck and that's not good for anybody.
0: Right, right. I mean, aside from actually becoming a mom twice, what have some of the best surprises been for
1: you? The best surprises, I think, well, I mean, all the kids stuff, obviously, like seeing them grow and like all the weird, silly, cute things they say (laughs) and the way, you know, my two girls are like partners in crime, like the way they laugh and play their strange games and like all this stuff like those are the surprises where you think oh my gosh I love these people so much and you can't believe how much you can love someone like that right so that's a surprise but I think the other surprise is I'm trying to think of how to say this the other surprise is just how I do feel like a much better version of myself even though there's a lot of things that you know when you're a mom it's like you're not the same person right but the surprise is that i actually feel like a much better person like i look back at you know being 24 and it's like how stupid i was that i <laughs> thought that or how stupid i was that i spent my saturday doing that you know like that's I think been the biggest surprise
0: yeah it's funny that for so long in my entry into motherhood I just kept waiting to go back to what it was before I was like (laughs) when is it going back to normal and then when I finally settled into like that this is how it's going to be it totally became better than before
5: yeah Um, but you
0: can't anticipate that like when your mindset is stuck around like how am I going to get back to my life before being a mom Mm -hmm. you can't See the light at the end of the tunnel, and then when you finally get that resolve, I think that like this is my new and better version mm-hmm. of life. Then it's so much better, and I love what you said about like observing the girls and seeing the way they interact and the things, the silly things that they do together. Because I feel like those are the kinds of things for people when, like you said, you'd never held a baby, you weren't into other people's yeah. kids, so you look at other people's kids and you're like, what is that weird thing that those weird kids are doing? I know, but when I- it's your own, you're like, it's magic. <laughs>
1: It is. It is. And you know what? I will tell you now, I mean, being the lady who never liked kids, I mean, that's so harsh to say, but it was like before I had babies, like I would see kids and I would feel like awkward around them and I wouldn't know what to do and I wouldn't know how to talk to them or anything. And now I see other people's kids and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like look at them these kids. Oh look at how these kids. How cute. And it's, it's just like that's another that's surprising so,
0: thing. Yeah. I find myself in public like wanting to interact with strangers' kids. Me too. And then I'm like, Am I being creepy? Yes, And
1: you're like, do they think like why is that weird lady talking wait, to my child? Wait. Yeah.
0: No, I have to like hold myself back sometimes. Cause I'm like, I don't want to be like the creeper. Like where they think I'm trying to <laughs> kidnap their kid, but they're just so they're cute. So funny. <laughs> yeah, I know you talk a lot about these kinds of things in your book. So what kind of myths do you want to debunk for moms or what are some myths that you've dispelled in your experiences in motherhood?
1: Oh, myths. Let me think. Myths, myths, myths. Oh, the myth of that a kid, and this isn't really talking about babies. I'm more talking about like my kids now who they're five and six, the myth that the kids are in control and the kids run the house and the kids are in charge. I don't know if that's a myth or just a flat out pet peeve of mine, but like, you know how you always hear like, Oh my God, these kids are in charge. These kids are no, 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 no. I'm old school. I would have been a great parent in the fifties. Let me tell you (laughs) the kids are not in charge, nor should they be in charge ever. And if you say no, of course they're going to push back and cry and whine and put up a fight. I mean, I dealt with it this morning where I'm getting (laughs) my younger one ready for preschool I want to watch, you know, Shopkins. Has yes. anyone heard of Shopkins? Yes. Oh, the Shopkins have taken over our. I didn't
0: know. Is there a show as well? Yes. Oh, I didn't are know that. Two
1: episodes on Netflix, and they have been the most played episodes in our house the past oh forty-eight gosh. hours. But my little one is like, I want to watch Shopkins, and I'm like, No, we don't have time to watch Shopkins crying, screaming, the wailing, I watch crying, you know, as I'm trying to get it ready. We're not watching Shopkins. That's the end of the story. Right. Crying, crying. We're not watching Shopkins. I go, if you ask me to watch Shopkins one more time, I'm going to delete the whole thing. She's like, okay, never mind. Like kids will like resist and push back, but I don't know. I've never had a problem with staying firm and being like, no, because to me, the grownups are in charge. Right. They're totally. Charge.
0: Well, and it also sets really, so I used to work in a psychiatric hospital with kids. So I can also confirm okay. that setting so you're like. you
1: going to confirm that I'm creating major issues for my know. children. no, no. I would say like, if they
0: know that you set consistent limits, that's ultimately comforting to them. Even though in the moment they're freaking out, it's ultimately comforting for a child to understand the limits within a household and the limits and the parameters in which they're parented. And when they don't have that, that's where you see kids that struggle with all sorts of different things. And they have like all sorts of emotional issues and issues with attachment because they don't understand like where the boundaries lie. So I think that kind of consistency that doesn't mean that you don't have conversations right. around it or that you don't make efforts to negotiate here and there. It doesn't need to be like total dictatorship, no, no, but no, consistent exactly. reasonable limits is extremely comforting to a child even though they can't identify it as like mommy this is comforting. They're going to identify as like mommy I hate you right now. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, so I think that I totally agree with you and I actually have had conversations with people before about like over negotiating with kids mm-hmm. where like there's like a conversation around everything. And Seattle is extremely politically correct about parenting and motherhood. Well, so and is LA. I would imagine. Yeah. So I feel like there's a push to make everything like a big conversation and hear both yes! sides of it and like sit on mommy's <laughs> lap and we'll talk it out. And I think there's a time and a place for that, but I also yes. think there's a time and a place to like be the boss and yes. be the authority. And like these are the rules of the household. And this is how it works. And this is the structure. And because ultimately then when they're a teenager, then they understand that like, these are the boundaries that I don't push because I've learned for, you know, 14 years already that
1: this is how it works. Yeah. Oh my God. Everything you just said, like, "Ah!" (laughs) Oh, like the light opened up and everything sparkled. First of all, you made me feel better about my no to shopkins and limits, but no, you are so right about that over conversation about everything some things warrant negotiation and give and take absolutely honey we can't do this now but when you get home you can't have this lollipop now but i'll tell you after you eat lunch when we go to the park maybe you're gonna get a lollipop that absolutely but you're right not everything requires a negotiation and that's another pet peeve of mine too where you know it's like everyone's trying to make everyone happy (laughs) Oh, we want to make everyone happy. Sometimes it is appropriate to say this is how it is done. Right, You're right. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Sometimes the kids will not be happy.
1: <laughs> yes. And that's okay because
0: right. my, my child, child is child. a screamer.
1: I know it's not funny, but I'm laughing no. because
0: I'm just And laughing. he has been. I mean, when he was like maybe six months old, he would do this thing in his little bouncy seat thing and he would like sometimes like if he couldn't quite reach a toy on there or there was like something like or he wanted to get out or something he would like grip onto the sides of it and glare at me and like he would (laughs) literally start like trembling it looked like he was like trembling with rage and I was like you're six months old like this can't be happening and then he would scream (laughs) this like I mean I swear I have hearing loss from it this high-pitched scream that would just kill me and by the time my husband would get home at five o'clock I was like about to die done yes I mean if my husband got home at 503 I was like where have you been (laughs) (laughs) so but he just always had this very strong personality and was into this day is like always ready to put up a fight but what I found over time is that the fights and the negotiation and the tears are all shorter lived because we have had to just be really clear and consistent with a lot of our no's and sometimes it's really hard because we're like, oh, this is going to like take the whole rest of the day now. <laughs> like, yeah, if and, I say oh, no to this thing, thing. Like, the day is
4: over.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's not easy. that Your son and my second daughter might be kindred spirits <laughs> that's exactly how she was. And I love the persistence. And I like that strong personality. I mean, that's a great trait to yes, have. Yes. You know, you want something. You want something. You're going to do it. And she was like that. And you don't take it away from them, but you sort of teach them like, okay, this is how you navigate it. This is when to do it, when to not. Yeah, totally.
0: One of the things I always say is that the things that make parenting my child extremely difficult are the things that will make him extremely successful later in life. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. I'm looking forward to that.
1: Whatever then you're going to take the be. credit. Take totally. the credit. You know, totally. I, I taught him that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like,
0: he's bound to be like a CEO or something. I mean, like He's yes. extremely focused. He's extremely regimented and disciplined. And like all these things that a four-year-old really doesn't need to be. He's oh. already has them. So. Oh, I love yeah. it. So let's go back to your motherhood and work situation. And how has that evolved? I would love to kind of wrap up with where your career yeah. has gone in the last few years.
1: So, when my first daughter was born in late 2010, I started blogging and it was to stay creative and to keep my brain. It was like I called it the nap time workshop for myself when my daughter napped. I sort of did this like, you know, workshop for myself. I'd write, you know. So my blog expanded into different influencer work with working with brands and doing sponsorships and brand ambassador work. And then I would do TV segments every so often about motherhood topics. And then last year... And I had a few short-lived gigs here and there that had on air for television that were in the lifestyle space where, you know, I would talk about motherhood topics and parenting topics and products and things on air. Last year, I did a local segment on one of our local channels here on one of the local CBS channel. I did a segment about bouncing back after baby, actually. (laughs) And I had a bunch of products and tips and tricks and things. And I came home and I get an email from the show's executive producer saying, hi, I have been meaning to reach out to you. I was glad to see you on air today. I've been following you for the past few years. I had been on today's show a couple times as part of their parenting team. So I think that she had seen that. And she said, I want to hire you to be our parenting on air parenting contributor the station. Fun. And I go, Oh my gosh, I was like, that was like the end goal. Like when I started the blog, that's what I wanted. I wanted to take the fab mom and all of this motherhood lifestyle stuff to television. Cause that's where I came from. And I thought she was punking me and I <laughs> called her back and I'm like, hi, I just want to make sure you are the right girl. She goes, yeah, I know you are. I go, okay, I'm making sure. So I went in for a meeting, they hired me. So I work for CBS, Los Angeles news channel two. And they hired me to do once a week segments on the Wednesday night, 5 p.m. news. And then this was last year. This is February 2016. And then a few months into the job, they added me on to Friday mornings. So now I do Wednesday nights and Friday mornings. And this morning on my segment, I talked about new documentary about postpartum depression called When the Bow Breaks. And I talked about this social media campaign called Postpartum Strong and then On my other segments, I mean, we'll talk about everything from how to have a great teacher-parent conference at school to three things that we need to stop doing for our kids now. I mean, they're they're fun chats. So Nice. Oh, that's that's so cool. Well, I love
0: the idea that when you were staying home that you were like still like plugging it forward, you know, baby steps as you could take them professionally Mm -hmm. because I think that that's so important even if you don't know where it's going. (laughs) Oh, I didn't
1: know where it was
0: going. But it helps you maintain your identity as a professional in some realm, whether it's, you know, as a new thing with a mom blog, or it's something that maybe would ultimately get you back into TV. And you don't, you don't know when you're in the middle of that, where it's going to all go. But I love that idea of like, just taking these little steps, which is so much of what I've done with the podcast is like, I'm just going to do this. And then I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to do this. And it's like one little step at a time. But Mm -hmm. ultimately at the end of a year or multiple years of that, you're like, oh wow, I've actually accomplished so much. And I think that the thing with motherhood, because our time is so limited, oftentimes we can only do these little bite-sized things. And one bite-sized thing on its own seems so insignificant. But when you have a lot of those little bite-sized things (laughs) together over time, it really does add up and it really does pave the way for the bigger things that ultimately are going to like be life-changing for you.
1: You're absolutely right. If you, I always say, if you take a penny and you put it on a table, and you stack those pennies one per day, you're going to get a humongous tower of pennies as the days go by. It's like one little thing on top of the next, on top of the next, once a day, and it stacks up.
0: Right, that cumulative effect is is huge.
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: how did the fab mom lead into the book then?
1: So after my second baby... You know, it's like I was enjoying doing the blogging and the website and the book was always, well, I'll say I always wanted to write a book. Okay. I mean, years ago when I was like 24, I made this bucket list thing and it was all these like, oh, I want to travel here and do this and this and that, and like half of the things I haven't done, but writing a book was on that list. And I never knew what it was going to be about. And I thought, OK, I have no idea. But then after my second baby was born and after I got through that baby phase with her and my older daughter being the toddler, I thought, OK, now I know what I'm going to write about because I think I've figured out the formula to bounce back or I should say right. bounce forward. I should say bounce forward in motherhood, but like bounce back is such a you know term, I guess. Right, right. So, I just start reaching out to everyone you know. I have a couple author friends, and I said, Okay, I'm thinking I want to write a book, and this is what I want it to be about. And I want it to be about my choices in new motherhood and how it bounced me back and how it made me a better person and all the things. And, you know, so like after talking to, I came up with the idea in 2014. And I was talking to people, talking to people, talking to people. And then you figure out, oh, now you have to make a proposal. And now you have to find a literary agent. It's like you go through all these hoops and steps. And then eventually something works out. And then I ended up getting a publisher. Well, it was early last year, early 2016, right about the same time that I got the CBS job out of nowhere. Nice. So then they said, you have five months to write it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> So I spent like all day, Saturdays and Sundays were spent at my computer. This is not an exaggeration. I've had no life for the past year and a half because wow. I've been at my computer. I was writing the book and then I had started a new job at the time. Remember too. So I was like doing the things for my new job because on air, I'm the one that finds the topics. I'm the one that writes the script. I'm the one that finds the role to put on air. Like i am producing my own segments. so. Wow. It's like, okay, this is it. I'm on the train and I wanted to be on this train for how many years? So now that I'm <laughs> on it, I have to put blinders on and I have to go. Yeah. So yeah. So that's, that's exciting. what happened. That's so it was, exciting. It was exciting. Yeah. I'm really happy about it. I am proud of myself in a lot of ways, but it hasn't been without sacrifices.
0: Right. Yeah. I think that's typically what happens. Like at some point yeah. there's major sacrifices no matter what path you take in mother, yeah, there's sacrifices
1: that are made. Oh, yeah. So tell us
0: where we can get the book. It comes out April 4th, and we can get it on Amazon, right?
1: Yes. It's on Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble. Okay. And then I also think it's going to be at, like, different independent bookstores and sellers and things, but, you know, it's like, I don't know what, I'm not in charge of that. So so the sure sure things are Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, it's actually available like right now. Yay, awesome. Yay. So
0: we will, I'll put links to Amazon on our site here over at shamelessmom.com, episode 116. And you can find the link to click right through to the Fab Mom's Guide How to Get Over the Bump and Bounce Back Fast After Baby. And I'm so excited for your book. I'm so glad and grateful that you were able to come and be on the show today. I really appreciate the time. Yeah. And
1: This was so fun. I
0: know. It was great. So I want to do a quick lightning round with you if you have just a minute for that. Yeah. Before we do that, I just want to say thank you for everything you're putting out into the world. And I love anytime a mom can like stand up and be shameless and own their choices. (laughs) It's such a gift to all moms because there's so many moms that sit and I did this for three years that like sit in struggle and sit in pain and have a hard time kind of wrapping their head around like, what am I doing with all this? And how will I make the mm-hmm. best of it? So I just really appreciate any time moms can come forward and really be like, this is how it's really works. And sometimes it sucks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks for doing that for us. Sure, anytime. So for our lightning round, are you ready? We have six yeah. questions. Oh, I'm scared. In a good way. (laughs) They're not too hard. So red wine or white wine? White. Okay. Current book you're reading or the last one you read?
1: The Found Mom's Guide, (laughs) How to Get Over the Bump and Bounce Back Fast.
0: Have you read it so many times you don't want to read it ever again? (laughs) Oh my
1: God. I have been through it, through it, through it, through it. But legitimately, I will say another book that I've read that is fantastic. The Pie Life. The author is Samantha The tagline is a recipe for self-satisfaction. It teaches you how to manage your life in slices of a pie. And those slices are going to become different sizes with different phases of your life. And it's a book about finding peace and happiness, however messy your life is. It is fantastic. I will put
0: that in the show notes as well. Yes. Let's see. Favorite non-work related thing to do with time to yourself? (laughs) Watch TV. Oh, do you have a favorite show?
1: The Walking Dead.
0: Nice, nice.
1: Oh, I love The Walking Dead. But I have also gotten into, this is my guilty pleasure, The Arrangement that's on E! right now. It's the scripted show about the Hollywood starlet who marries the actor, and it's an arranged marriage. That sounds totally right up my alley. I'll have to check that out. I've actually heard of it, but I haven't watched. The Walking Dead and The Arrangement. Yeah.
0: I will look into that. (laughs) And what's one morning ritual you can't live without?
1: coffee, of
3: course.
0: Nice. (laughs) You have many people who agree with you. Who is your biggest inspiration? My mom. And last question, if you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why?
1: The superpower to not feel guilty because my own mom says guilt is a wasted emotion. And all those things that you feel with guilt, all the questions, all the doubt, all the, Oh my gosh, I feel guilty. I should have tried this. It wastes time. It wastes your energy. It wastes the valuable time that you have for your life and your family and your friends. Just wasteful.
0: I totally agree. And any time you spend feeling guilty is time that you've wasted that could have been spent like being productive in exactly. a different direction. <laughs> so. Exactly. Jill, this has been so fun. And I appreciate you coming on the show. And best of luck with the book. I hope everything goes really well. And I hope you have a really great time promoting it and getting lots of great
1: feedback on it. Thank you. This has been so fun. I love being shameless. (laughs) Yes, keep being
0: shameless. (laughs) Thank you so much for spending time with Jill and me today in the Shameless Mom Academy. Remember, any links mentioned in this show can be found in the show notes. So if you go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 116, and you can find anything you need with relevance to this episode. So please do head in that direction when you're done listening. Also, if this is your first time listening, know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So here's what I need you to do. You need to go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will take you into iTunes. You can do it from your phone or your computer. When you're there, there'll be a little button that says subscribe. So when you subscribe, you automatically get all our new episodes immediately downloaded to your device. So that means that you get notifications when we have a new episode out every Monday and Wednesday. You can listen to them immediately. You don't have to go looking for anything. It's super easy. So go ahead and go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review to subscribe to the show. While you're there, there's also a button that says write a review. So I mean, if you happen to love today's episode, which I did, you can write a little review. So if you want to leave some feedback for me, for Jill, anything about the Shameless Mom Academy, that's a great place to leave it. I love going in and reading reviews. I love hearing what you have to say. And I'm very, very grateful for all your kind words and love and support. So thank you in advance for anything that you might want to write over there. It can be one sentence. It can be a paragraph. It can be a novel. I mean, I got time to read reviews. So please do head over there and leave some feedback if you have anything to say about today's episode or anything to say about the Shameless Mom Academy. As always, thank you for joining us. Thank you for spending time with us. I know your time is valuable. As always, thank you for spending time with us today. I know that your time is limited and I know that it's precious and valuable. So I always appreciate being able to spend time with you. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day, a shameless rest of your day. And no matter what you do today, I hope you do it shamelessly.